three, two, one. Welcome to the Dave of the Dog Trainer podcast, episode 75. Here we are. We just filmed yesterday, and we're back again for another one. Here we are. Because we missed last week. So yep. we're catching up because we don't miss episodes. That's right. We'll miss one at some point, I'm sure. But for right now, uh-uh. we don't miss episodes. At least not until we get to 100. Isn't that pretty fucking wild, though? Mm-hmm. A year and a half. Yeah. It's been a year. It's June. It's been over a year and a half, mm-hmm. and we've not missed a single episode. That's right. We didn't That's miss true. one last year, did we? Nope. No. We no. caught up on all of them. We caught up on all of them. We almost missed no, Laker and no. Christmas. No, didn't we miss one while I was in Hawaii, maybe? We still made it up. Did we still make it up? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Yeah, it was close. It was like down to the wire. A year and a half. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's not yeah. too bad. Yeah, that's really great for like you getting married, honeymoon. A lot of shit. A lot, yeah, a lot of shit. <laughs> but um, here we are. So we're back. We don't have that much to catch up on. I can't imagine today's going to be super, super long of one because we talked about a lot of shit last time, but mm-hmm. we'll see if we can make it just as beneficial for you. Yes. So um, yesterday, I, I mean, obviously there hasn't been much time to have a lot of response because we haven't really like announced or formally released yesterday's podcast, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But yesterday's podcast I thought was sweet. It was great. I thought it was sweet from the standpoint of it's such a different side of things that we talked about that we don't typically talk about, which is the the client issues side of things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like from dog, tra- you know, like in the dog training industry, obviously speaking, right? And this is any freaking industry, right? You put your best shit out there, right? You put your wins out there for the world oh, to yeah. see. And that's, you know, part of the problem a lot of people have with social media on like a global standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. Is it, it curates this like perfect world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of like everything's rainbows and butterflies. You're going to try to make your life look as fucking cool as possible on social media. I'm going to do it. You're going to make your business look that way, this, that. But the fact of the matter is, from a personal standpoint and from a business standpoint, you've got fucking hurdles to work through and everybody goes through shit, right? Yep. And not everything is a win, right? Yep. And, um, you know, things aren't always rainbows and butterflies. And I think highlighting three individual situations that we've experienced and just discussing them a little bit and discussing in the dog training uh, industry as a whole, right, where mm-hmm. some of those things kind of, you know, come into play and how that's important for trainers to hear so that they don't seem like, like I did. Okay, so kind of off topic for a minute, right? You're fine. So I did a um, I did a virtual consult with a trainer. I've been doing a lot of those lately. Obviously, mm-hmm. we get a lot of younger trainers or newer trainers and stuff that reach out. They're like, it's hey, awesome. want to get some, some information on stuff, this, that, right? Yeah. Uh, and this one's not even like a younger trainer. Like this is actually one of the conversations I have with her. She's she's been training for like five or six years, and she's like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm still like a new trainer. I'm like, no, you're not. No. Like you've been doing this for a long time. You got more experience than a lot of people in this game do, mm-hmm. and that's important to realize. Obviously, as a trainer. But anyways, in her mind, she was having a lot of these like self doubt issues, which I think is something that all trainers go through. I've been through this myself in various stages of my career. A lot of other trainers I know go through this as well. But she was going through this like self doubt phase of like. <clears throat> like like the things she's doing are working and they're working really well. And the first thing I asked her, I was like, are your clients happy? She's like, yes, my clients are happy. I was like, okay, cool. So what are you, what are you doubting? You know what I mean? Like what, what do you feel yeah. like is not good or what do you feel like you want to improve on? Like I'm all for looking to continuously improve, obviously. But she was kind of starting to look at her stuff like there was something she was doing that was wrong. And where it was coming from was this perception that a lot of other big, big name trainers are creating of everything being too perfect. 
You know what mm-hmm. I mean? They're never being hurdles. They're never being issues. Yeah. They're always being the happy, motivated dog. They're always being just the perfect client and this and that. And she was struggling with that, you yeah. know? And we had to have some serious conversations about like, hey, this is how you get past those things. This is, you know, I shared stories with her of, of failures that I've experienced, mm-hmm. right? Mistakes that I've made and all that kind of stuff. Um, from the standpoint of, of being able to obviously help her understand it's, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. We talked about last time. I don't care what dog trainer you are. I don't care if you're freaking Caesar Milan, right? Biggest name in the fucking dog world, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or Callie Canine with his fucking TV show or, or any of these other guys, right? <clears throat> Every single person in this industry, if you've been doing it for long enough, have experienced some shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and it's a nonstop thing. Like Josh and I were talking about just before we even started this podcast, another client situation that I'm in the middle of dealing with right now. That's nothing major. It's absolutely nothing in comparison to, to what we talked about, obviously, yesterday. But nonetheless, it's a situation where it's a dog, right? It's a really young dog, and it's clients that have completely unrealistic expectations of what training is, yeah. right? It's, it's, it's people that kind of have it in their mind that training is this thing. I talk about it all the time. I can't say this enough. They think that training is this thing you put on the dog and you have a trained dog, right? Mm-hmm. Where in actuality, training is a relationship and it's a communication system. And yep. It's a series of skills that we learn to work together with our dog to do, right? And I could mm-hmm. tell, I tell everybody, right? I could give you the most trained dog in the world, trained dog in the world, right? Mm-hmm. But if you don't know how to use the training or if you don't use the training, that dog will revert right back to what their instincts tell them they should do. Yep. Right, which is either protect things, which is either take advantage of situations, which is completely act out and not listen, right? Yeah. It, could, it could be anything, right? And those are things that we navigate as trainers, and that's a part of our job is helping people to understand that, obviously. Yeah. Right. So so whatever. So yeah, we're we're getting at that podcast was important for trainers to listen to to understand, hey, even the people out there that seemingly we got all our shit together all the time, this and that, we experience stuff like that, mm-hmm. right? And for owners to listen to that podcast was very important to realize, again, it all boils down to you, right? Yeah. I was, I was telling you, you know, <clears throat> you know, one of the, the situation I'm dealing with right now, uh, we, we got an email from somebody basically saying, you know, this is like, like five days after dogs went home from a board and train, you know, you clearly didn't work on this with the dog, right? Which is not the case, right? We know that it's not that we didn't work on something, right? We've worked on all these things. We checked the box. The dog can do all these things. The problem is a lot of clients are skipping the step of then you have to work on it with the dog mm-hmm. in order to get the dog to be truly proficient in it, right? And yes. take, that, take that kind of accountability yourself of like, hey, I need to then put in the effort to use these skills and develop this relationship of communication with my dog. So whatever. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Every time, man, I gotta. I, yeah. I talk too much without breathing. You know, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it's a, it's a tough. I think that's you know, it's just the the toughest part is when you bring the dog home. Yeah. And you know the <clears throat> you had these these ways that you lived with your dog before. Yeah. Whether and maybe you just don't understand that. Oh, that was kind of the problem. That's a lot of it. You know, you, know? It's, it's, you got to adjust the things that you were doing, obviously. Exactly. And also, uh, we talked about this a lot last time, but adding it into this as well here, none of this is new. 
Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? Like, we've yeah. dealt with this for since I've been training dogs. We deal with these types of problems. And it's mm-hmm. normal that people are going to reach out and when they have issues because of just the emotions of the situation and stuff. And, you know, again, it's a big financial commitment and stuff like that. Immediately, as soon as they see the dog, if things aren't perfect, they could you could really go into that mindset of like, oh, like you didn't do your part in the job as opposed to realizing we got a whole freaking year of work we got to do with you here yeah. to get you up to speed with stuff. Yeah. So this is not news. And this situation will be perfectly fine, right? It was, yeah. It's a very good dog. It's a very easy easy dog. It's just a matter of getting them to understand the mistakes in which they're doing right now, obviously, to help them get past these types of issues. I just want clients that are listening listening to this to start to, to, to force themselves to fight that impulse they have of looking for outside reasons why their dog may not be behaving. You know what I mean? That's the point of sharing all these types of stories is to force that mentality shift that you need in order to be successful of looking internally at what am I doing incorrect? Yeah. Right? Because it's always something so simple, you know? Mm -hmm. Like in this case, like the issues that this dog is having, they're easy, easy solutions. You know what I mean? It's nothing major. It's not like this dog is going to freaking kill somebody (laughs) or something like that, right? It's just, it's just... Uh, simple tweaks to how we're communicating with the dog that need to be made. Yeah. So whatever. So so super good podcast. I want everybody, obviously, if you're listening to this one, but you haven't listened to the one before, definitely check out episode 74. I think you guys are going to get a lot of value out of it. Yeah. Real quick, do you, do you kind of, at this point, I would, I, I wouldn't say expect, but, you know, like that first week after, after a sin home, would you say that that's kind of like just the, number one time you're going to hear from, you know, clients and stuff. Yeah. I mean, first you know, week. Yeah. It's and, such an adjustment. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's what we, we tell everybody in the send home lesson, mm-hmm. right? We literally say this every time we do the send home lesson, you're going to have issues this first week. Yeah. Right. This shit is not as easy as it seems, you know, mm-hmm. and you're breaking one habits that your dog has in the home, mm-hmm. right? You're breaking those habits and you're breaking habits of all of the bad things you were doing that led to the issues that you're experiencing mm-hmm. right now. You know what I mean? So it's it's a hundred percent. And listen, I love it when like we we did a follow up lesson yesterday um, with this dog Atlas, right? Who's okay. a Doberman, big ass Doberman. I mean, I think he's almost like a hundred pounds. He's oh, a big wow. dog. He came in a freaking handful, dude. Just like. Just, just, just throwing his weight around. He's very reactive to other dogs and yeah. stuff like that. And we did the send home lesson, right? And and he did well, right? He actually struggled in the send home lesson a little bit, but it was good that he struggled in the send home because the owners got to see how to work through those types of things. Yeah. And, um, you know, this is a dog that I actually anticipated the first week back home was going to be kind of a mess. Yeah. You know, like I thought, I was like, damn, I was like, this dog's really going to push their <laughs> buttons a little bit. Yeah. And, and and past that, just the family situation, right? So it's a it's a husband and wife and a couple of kids. Mm-hmm. It's actually kind of a sad situation, right? So they're younger, I would say. I would I would assume mid to late 30s, early 40s at the latest, mm-hmm. you know? And um, the wife, like three months ago, had like a major stroke and like mm-hmm. is like suffering from like some pretty serious like neurological issues and stuff right now. Mm-hmm. So like she has like good days and bad days, you know, and she's kind of, she kind of goes back and forth between them where like sometimes yeah. she needs to like walk with like a walker and stuff. Oh, wow. Like other times she's perfectly, you know, functional and stuff like that, but she got some speech issues and this and that, whatever, you know, wonderful. They're amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and they knew coming into this though. And this is the mentality I need people to start coming into board and trains with. They knew coming into this, that it was going to require some work from them. Yeah. And they sat there in that send home lesson. They paid attention to every little detail. They asked phenomenal questions along the way and they went home and they 
fucking rocked it, man. I got a text message update. I posted it a couple days ago on the Miracle page from her before we did the follow-up because he went home just like, it was about a week and a half ago, I think. Uh, I got a follow-up lesson of the wife out with him in the neighborhood. They were having a freaking block party, right? There was like a block party on their street, which would have draw, drove this dog freaking bananas yeah. right before. And she had him in a downstay literally across the street while this block party's going on and recalled him all the way across the street towards her or to her, right? Yeah. While this was going on. And he was just like, was wonderful. Awesome. And then they came in for the freaking lesson, dude, yesterday. And what, talk about like little details that I noticed. I was talking to Paige about this today. She came into the lesson, right? And we're walking into the facility. We haven't even really started the lesson yet. And, you know, I'm like, all right, we'll do, you know, do a doorway drill here right now. And she walks yeah. to the door. She tells him to sit, right? And he was distracted and didn't sit. And she had the remote on a lanyard and she kind of had her hands for it. She had her leash, she had her bag, right? Like she had the freaking dog, right? And remotes <laughs> around her neck, right? Yeah. And he didn't sit. And she looked at him and she said, no. She identified her mistake. And I thought she was just going to leave it at that because he sat, right? Yeah. She reached up, she tapped her fucking button, even with her hands full, and then she told his ass sit again, right? And she did it. It was so perfect. I looked at it, I was like, I told her, I was like, that was really good. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah. nobody does it that perfectly, right? Yeah. Nobody does it that perfectly the first time that they come in. Like, the exact sequence, the exact order of operations, and that's because they paid it. They knew the issues they were having were their fault. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. They knew they needed to pay attention to that send home lesson and get the information that they needed. Mm -hmm. Right. And they followed the directions once he went home. Hell yeah. You know, that's, and awesome. that's kind of the make or break. And I'm not yeah. saying if you follow all the directions that we tell you that you're not going to have issues still, because yeah. there's some cases where there's like something weird that happens when the dog gets home because it's unpredictable. We don't know what the dog is going to do when we get back to yeah. the house, obviously. Right. Yeah. But, you know, if you follow those directions, any mistakes you may see at that point or many issues you see at that point, they're going to be much easier to work through. And it's going to be pretty clear what the problem is then at that point, as opposed to some people fall into the trap of dog goes home from the board and train. They go back into the house. They're like, oh, cool. We have this training, but we're just going to keep <laughs> letting the dog do whatever they want to yep. do and whatever, letting people come in the house and having no structure for the dog and everything's a mess and and, and it just it, it everything goes out the window yeah. you know exactly so that's that's, that's, that's this it. freaking industry man this is what we do yes. you know but guess what like we talked about yesterday we are still here to help with the people even if they fall into that trap because i get it they're hard habits to break i'm not blaming them for it mm -hmm. and like i said in this particular case that we're dealing with right now we'll get them past it yep. it'll be fine you know exactly there it is. <coughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay. So today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about puppies a little bit. So obviously we didn't really, we don't have a guest today. We don't have a whole lot else we could ramble on, even though we found fucking 15 minutes of things to ramble about already here. <laughs> yep. um, so I just kind of went online, found a couple topics we could pull pull up. And we, we consistently get a lot of questions about puppies. We have a lot of puppies starting training with us here soon. And I found a pretty good article on uh, masterclass.com. I'm sure a lot of people have seen Brandon McMillan, uh, who is a dog trainer out in California, I believe. He trains like, uh, he's like a celebrity dog trainer. So he trains dogs for like movies and stuff, I'm pretty sure. I don't really know that that much about him, but I know he does have a master class um, on that company, obviously, where you take online courses, whatever. On Masterclass's website, they have an article that he wrote called Puppy Training, Frequently Asked Questions, 14 Puppy Training Questions Answered by Brandon McMillan. So I want to just kind of go through this. Figured we can kind of read these off here, um, you know, talk about some of them a little bit, see if we agree with all of the information that he's giving, see if there's any additional pointers we want to add to it or uh, challenge any of the topics or things like that. Sounds good. So 
Let's get going. So first, uh, we'll start it here. 14 common puppy training questions answered. Uh, you don't have to take your new dog to puppy training classes for obedience training. With a little patience and a pocket full of treats, you could teach your puppy good habits and training commands at the dog park or in your own backyard. Consider the following answers to common puppy training questions to learn some basic training tips. Now, what I'm assuming this is going to be, and I hope what this is, <laughs> is I hope that this is basically teaching the owner side of things, right? Yeah. So answering some of these basic questions. In the case of puppies, a lot of it comes down to the, the real make or break on if you raise this puppy properly and run into a lot of like massive issues or not is you understanding reinforcement. Right. And understanding that any interaction you have with your dog is training to some extent. Right. Mm -hmm. And there are some strategic ways you can interact with your young dog in order to get them to do the things that you want them to do and to leverage that attention that that puppy really wants from you to reinforce proper behavior and obviously set proper boundaries. So let's see what we got here. <clears throat> Number one, how do I pick the right puppy for me? Hmm. There's no right or wrong way to find a new puppy. What's important is finding a dog that's right for you. When deciding what breed to get, consider your living situation, lifestyle, and energy level. Do you live in an apartment or a house? Do you have a backyard? Do you have enough free time to train a puppy properly? Will you be able to provide an energetic dog with the long walks they need? Are you an active and adventurous person or a homebody? You should also take your budget into account when making this decision. Can you afford the comparatively high costs of buying a dog from a breeder? Can you afford to feed a dog with special dietary needs? Next, do research to figure out which breed suits your lifestyle. Note the personality traits, history, and activity level of the breeds you like. Select the one that best suits your lifestyle and budget. So I think this is all pretty spot on. I think the interesting thing about this is he's not so much talking about picking the right puppy, but what I'm assuming from the beginning of this is he's actually saying, should you be getting a puppy at all? Yeah. Puppies are a lot of fucking work, man. A lot. You know this. I mean, you got mm -hmm. Bender, what, a couple years ago? Yeah, three years ago. Three now. years ago, right? We got Waffles recently. I've had puppies before. Vinny was pretty young when I got him. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. They can be a pain in the ass, man. They do require a lot of time. You know, if you're working 12 hours a day and there's nobody else in the house to help you out with running the dog and getting him exercise and stuff like that, yeah, it might not be a great idea to bring home an eight-week-old puppy that's just going to be pissing in the crate every freaking day and, and yep. teaching bad habits and stuff <laughs> like that. So so I would agree. Another point, too, is, is, you know, he was talking about picking the breed and looking at their typical breed-specific traits and stuff you'd see. I don't think this is talked about enough. I think that a lot of people, unfortunately, get breeds based on what they think are cool. You know, yeah. I mean, that's why we see all these German Shepherds yeah. and Malinois and Rottweilers and stuff like that. And a lot of the power breeds in particular, mm -hmm. power breeds look cool. I fucking get it. Right. Everybody wants to walk <laughs> around with a big ass dog. <laughs> that's making you look like a fucking G. You yeah. Know? But it's unfortunately, those dogs can be a little bit more of a handful. <laughs> yeah. Right. To say the least. So so you got to look at stuff like that and uh, see what kind of dog is going to be the best fit for you. And especially when you get into <clears> like families and stuff like that. Right. Common, 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 common thing that I'll see <clears throat> is families will get dogs like German Shepherds because they think that that dog is, one, more intelligent, so it'll be easier for them to train, and two, they like the idea that the dog is going to protect their family, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Those dogs aren't inherently family dogs. I understand some people are going to fight me on that. I understand some people are going to be like, oh, well, I had German Shepherds my whole life, and they were great with my family and this and that. I'm not saying it can't be done, you know, but but 
inherently they're a little bit more testy of a breed than some of your others, right? You get into your freaking doodles and your golden retrievers and your labs and stuff like that. Those dogs are traditionally the family dog because yeah. they have much more docile temperaments. Mm -hmm. They're not as combative. They don't fight back to pressure as much, right? Exactly. And yes, there's exceptions, obviously. Temperament is everything, and every breed can have a varying spectrum of a temperament, but that's something that I think everybody needs to factor in when they're doing this is you need to look at that. Um, but I think age is important, right? You know, I always say... You know, obviously, we got a puppy recently just because he kind of fell into our lap. But, you know, I've always said like five to six months is like the primo age to get a dog at because mm -hmm. they're old enough where they're typically going to be past a lot of that annoying puppy stuff. And you're not going to have to have the really tight time constraints on things like potty training where they physically can't hold it and stuff. Yeah. Um, but they're young enough where you're not going to have a whole lot of ingrained and bad habits yet at that point. Exactly. So you got to factor those things in. <clears throat> Thing number two. What is puppy socialization? Socialization is the process of introducing your puppy to new sounds, smells, people, and objects to help them become comfortable in new situations. The best time to socialize a dog is during puppyhood when they're between 3 to 20 weeks old. During the socialization window, your dog is naturally more curious and open to new experiences. You could also socialize an adult dog or older dog, but it's a slower process. You have to break bad habits and combat anxiety and fear. I would generally agree with this. My problem, yes, you want to socialize your dog well, right? And and we'll see what he answers in his, his next question of how can I socialize my puppy. Mm -hmm. But the, my issue with this is a lot of people look at this and get an eight-week-old puppy and be like, oh, my God, I have to 20 weeks to socialize them as freaking much as possible. Yeah. And they make the mistake of they go freaking everywhere and have everybody touch the dog. They have everybody petting the dog all the time, every dog coming up and greeting them and this and that, mm -hmm. and you overdo the socialization and you create problems, yep. right? So socialization <clears throat> to me with puppies, well, let me answer the question. What is puppy socialization, <laughs> right? <clears throat> puppy socialization to me is not the act of the dog interacting with their surroundings and interacting with people and other dogs it's teaching the dog to successfully coexist and experience being around other people other dogs and other places primarily mm -hmm. the other places thing right yep. and teaching them to be around those things and focus on you right so when we get new dogs right young puppies we'll take them as many places as possible we won't let anybody pet them we don't let any dogs come up to them and we work engagement drills in those places whether that's in the form of doing leash training and keeping the attention on as there doing food training and keeping the attention on as there or yeah. a combination of the two mm -hmm. right and before i introduce my dog to new people and two new dogs right Typically speaking, I want to make sure I can keep their attention on me around those types of things in outside places. Now, yeah. I will supplement in introducing my dog to people and other dogs in very controlled ways, yeah. right? In places where they could be off-leash, in places where they're only interacting with one new thing at a time. So either one new puppy or one new person mm -hmm. or whatever, one new place <laughs> yeah. or any number of those types of things. Um, so, so to me, puppy socialization is more on getting my dog exposed to new things as opposed to teaching them how to interact with new things. Yes. <clears throat> you run way less of a risk of creating a lot of like fearful behaviors out of your dog and doing it in that mm -hmm. way. So three, how can I socialize my puppy? There are various strategies for puppy socialization, introducing them to new people and family members, discouraging nipping and exposing them to loud noises, new environments, or unfamiliar situations. To best socialize your puppy, think of the things they'll commonly encounter as they age. 
for instance, noisy children or other dogs. Make sure that your puppy acclimates to those experiences when they're young. Now, I would agree with this from the standpoint of, um, you know, obviously, discour- you know, I don't know if I would say discouraging nipping is really a part of socialization, but, um, yeah, you know, yeah. obviously, you want to get them around new family members, obviously. You want to get them around loud noises and new environments and unfamiliar situations. Yep. Um, again, just getting into the specifics of how you do so. Uh, is important as well. You know, a mistake, for example, when introducing your puppy to people and socializing them is a lot of people, when the puppies are small, they'll pick the dog up and take the puppy to the person and then the person will be smothering them with attention. Anytime our dog is interacting with something when they're young and we're trying to create positive associations with things, we always want to make sure that they have the option to move away if they get stressed out by that thing, Mm -hmm. right? That's why we always do this stuff off of the leash, right? Mm -hmm. If my dog goes up to a person and they get a little uncomfortable with it, they need to feel like they can give themselves some space. Because if they don't, you're teaching them at a very young age to act on that fight instinct and start growling, nipping, biting when they're stressed out with things. And when you're holding puppies or restraining them or doing on-leash greetings and things like that, you're skipping all that. You don't give the dog the ability to do that, and you run a lot more risk of a bad thing happening. Number four, when can I start training my puppy? You could begin housebreaking training when your puppy is eight weeks old. You could start teaching your dog obedience commands when they are around four to five months old. That one is BS. You can start yeah. training your dog immediately. Immediately. Yeah. immediately. When the, listen, we do a puppy program. Typically, our puppy program starts at about 14 weeks, not because you can't start teaching them commands beforehand, because plenty of those dogs, you could start teaching them from eight weeks to 14 weeks, eating out of hand and following you around and doing engagement drills, which is still training. Yeah. Right? Um, we start at 14 weeks just because the layout of our program of 10 weeks. 10 weeks then has them end in a pretty good spot where they're a little bit more developed at that point where yeah. we started it at eight weeks, 10 weeks later, they're still going to be pretty young. Yeah. Right? Uh, but you you absolutely can start training your dog right away. Training consists of, obviously, housebreaking is training, right? Uh, so he's right. You start that, obviously, right away when they're eight weeks old, right? Um, it obviously consists of teaching engagement and working obedience commands. And primarily, you're doing a lot of that with food early on. And I'll yeah. tell you, at like 10 weeks old, 12 weeks old, you can get some puppies really shaping their commands nicely. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, and it also consists of creating boundaries in the house. So setting consistent rules as far as what things they're allowed on, what rooms they're allowed to go into, how they interact with other people from the standpoint of like he was discussing with the nipping and the jumping and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So all of those things you start right away when the dog comes in the house. We did a whole podcast series Um maybe like five months ago or something like that when we got waffles discussing like the first like week with him and all the different things we did from a training standpoint when he was really young. Five, what's the best method for puppy training? Operant conditioning, which relies on rewards and positive reinforcement rather than punishment is the current preferred training method for puppies. In operant training, dogs are coaxed into the desired behaviors through an incentive, usually a treat, and successfully rewarded when they perform successfully or display good behavior. This contrasts with compulsive training, which was the dominant method of dog training for decades, in which a trainer would often physically place the dog into the desired position. When the dog misbehaved, positive punishment, like a strong jerk on the leash, was employed. We're not going to get into the topic of of that so much. I do agree that in puppy training, you want to be relying primarily on positive reinforcement. That is your opportunity to develop a good relationship with the dog, to shape what's expected and teach them primarily what we want them to do. Look how windy it looks out there. You see Uh that? It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's real windy today. 
Um, you want to teach them, obviously, what we want them to do. And in most cases, because they're so small and we can manage them so well, there's not a whole lot of punishment needed, yeah. you know? Uh, but later on, again, when you get into proofing your training and stuff, obviously punishment has its purpose. You know, implementing negative reinforcement and stuff like that has a lot mm-hmm. of benefit to it. You know, this is implying, again, there's only two types of training, which is positive training and punishment training, yeah. where we have balanced, balanced. training. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number six. What is clicker training? Clicker training is a training method that involves holding and clicking a training clicker during sessions with your dog. Training clickers emit a distinctive clicking sound when pressed. By triggering a click while simultaneously teaching a technique or offering a treat, you can condition your dog to associate the sound with the command or reward. This, in turn, can help reinforce their training. Clickers can be especially useful for the come command. Okay. This is so overcomplicated, it's not even funny. Listen, <laughs> yeah. I have no, no problem with clickers, but what is a clicker, right? Everybody thinks the Everybody says, I bought a clicker, and I tried a clicker, and they just click, 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 yeah. click, click. <laughs> and it's like, well, what did that do? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, does the dog have any idea what it is, right? A clicker is a mark. Mm-hmm. That's all it is, right? Mm-hmm. No different than if I tell my dog, yes. Yeah. Now, if I just go around saying yes all the time, does that train my dog? No. No. Right? (laughs) All it does is identify a behavior they're doing. The reason people use a clicker as opposed to a verbal mark in some cases, which there's some arguments for and against this, is that a clicker is consistent from person to person, and the dog is always going to perceive that sound exactly the same where you're toning yes, 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 right? Like it it sounds Mm -hmm. different sometimes, so they would have to kind of generalize that, right? Now, what do we do with a clicker? We condition a clicker to mean a reward is coming. So I go click, reward, click, reward, click, reward. And through Mm -hmm. classical conditioning, that click starts to mean reward, right? So then you just use it to teach your behaviors. You shape your sit, you click, you give your dog your reward. Mm -hmm. You tell him come, the dog starts coming to you, click, your reward. (laughs) It doesn't just teach your dog how to come. It's just a way to attach your reward to your behavior. Mm -hmm. We use a negative marker for e-collars, for example, or for any sort of punishment, right? Where we say no, then we deliver a correction. We say Mm -hmm. no, then we deliver a correction. So that same deal, just how click has a positive association, Mm -hmm. no has a negative association to it. That's all it is. But it doesn't train the dog. No. what commands should i teach my puppy there are seven basic commands you could use as a foundation for other commands and training techniques sit down stay no off come and heal there's too many commands right so we talk about this a lot also right there are only a couple of things that we need a dog to be able to do Mm -hmm. right let's break these down here right we need a dog to come to us and walk well on a leash Mm-hmm. The way that we teach our come command, it is our leash walking command. We say come, come means come into my bubble and stay in my bubble. So if I say come and start walking, my dog stays in my bubble, they're on a loose leash. Mm-hmm. That's command one. We need to be able to keep them in a stationary position, both anywhere and on a place, right? Yes. So we just use a down for it. We don't even fuck around with a sit anymore. Mm-hmm. If you want to just do a sit and not worry about a down, I don't care. That's fine as well, right? Mm-hmm. And we also use a bed command, right? The reason why we use the bed command is because it allows you to be able to send your dog to a place, right? And get them like out of the way where a down command, you just kind of place them wherever you want, but you have to take them to wherever it is, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's literally (laughs) about it, right? Yeah. You know, um, when you get into like 
off and stay. So stay, we talk about stay is one of the most redundant words in the dog training language. There's never a time you're going to tell them sit, get up whenever you want to. So you start implying what's different. Why do I need to say stay after sit, right? If I just say sit, what does it mean if I don't say stay, you know? If I say stay without sit, what does it mean, et cetera, et cetera. We've talked about this before. It's very confusing. We teach Mm -hmm. our commands as an implied stay, meaning we give a down command or we give any command, and then we just make sure we have a clear release. So we have a beginning and an end to the position. And then as far as off, you could teach off, obviously, if the dog is going to be sometimes allowed on furniture. But mm. keep in mind, off, leave it, quiet, things like that, those are reserved for things the dog is sometimes allowed to do, mm-hmm. right? So if your dog is never allowed on furniture, I'm not going to use off for it. I'm just going to communicate a boundary and tell them no for it, Yeah. right? Uh, if the dog is sometimes allowed on the furniture, you could teach them off, obviously. Mm-hmm. So teach whatever commands you want, but I always say don't overcomplicate it. Focus on a couple of things and teach those things really, really good as opposed to teaching 10,000 different things and then having them all kind of half-assed. Yeah. <clears throat> what is the first command I should teach my puppy? When training a puppy, there's no set order for teaching training commands. However, sit is a great command to start with since it provides a strong foundation and offers a natural transition to the other basic training commands. You really can teach anything. It really doesn't matter. Yeah. Sit's a natural thing for a dog to do, so mm-hmm. it tends to be very easy to reinforce. Yeah. I actually think that engagement and teaching the dog to come to you is is arguably uh, an easier one to teach, though, because you're mm-hmm. kind of reinforcing this habit of being close to us, being close to us, being close to us. Yeah. That being said, sit to... to um, to give him some credit, sit can have some benefit to teach because it can combat before you start correcting for jumping and stuff like that. It can combat some of those types of things and start to become an initial default mm. of stabilizing when they want something. Yeah. So there, there is some benefit to teaching sit first. <clears throat> Question nine. How often should I work on commands with my puppy? To teach your dog basic training commands like sit, stay, and down, you'll need to train consistently for short periods. Three times a day for 10 to 15 minutes. Puppies have short attention spans. Once your puppy learns each command, resist the urge to stop training sessions altogether. Routine training sessions are a good way to build trust and reinforce the commands with your puppy. Um, I, I mean, three times a day is a lot for any dog. I mean, you could do it, but if you're going to do it, 10 to 15 minutes is too long. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could literally get away with doing three, four to five minute training sessions a day and that would be more than enough or you could just do one 10 to 15 minute training session a day Mm -hmm. either way you got a puppy you got a lot of fucking time so as long as you stay consistent and you do a little bit every day that's going to be important yeah i feel like you almost burn them out (laughs) at that point yeah i mean it depends on the dog it depends how much motivation they have but 10 to 15 minutes is longer than you'd think yeah you know oh yeah um, I also would actually agree about the routine training sessions are a great way to build trust and reinforce commands. You know, I don't do them that much at this point with my dogs because we've been doing this for so long, but I do recommend for clients like with dogs post board and train or post one-on-one class or whatever it may be. I do recommend, um, that they try to at least once a week or so for the first like year that the dog is home, do a training session just with some food, some treats, stuff like that. And just keep the dog sharp and just kind of keep them going through the motions with things. when's the best time to teach my puppy commands there are two times when training is most effective when your puppy's energy is stable they're not too excited or tired and when they're hungry they'll be extra focused on your treats the best time to train is in the morning or right before mealtime um i would agree just around mealtimes you know um obviously um I typically leverage their meals for training and I'll mm-hmm. just work them for their breakfast and work them for their dinner. Yep. 
and uh, you get the best of both worlds. They're usually pretty excited to do the training, and they're pretty jacked up for the food. And that avoids you falling into the trap of you feed your meals, and then you do training on top of it and give them even more treats, and then you overfeed the dog, and your dog gets fat, and then your dog loses food drive, and then nobody's happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 11. Why is my puppy barking all the time? Barking is a natural instinct that all dogs have. They're typically barking at something they perceive as a threat. You're never going to get your dog to stop barking altogether. Your goal is to get them to stop barking on command. To do this, you'll need a bottle filled with coins and some dog treats. <laughs> when your dog barks excessively, say quiet, shake the penny bottle, and say quiet again. As the days go by, shake the bottle less and less and rely more on the verbal command. When your dog stops barking, treat them. Keep several penny bottles around the house in key areas where excessive barking is common. One by the front door, one in the kitchen, one by the couch. Okay. I didn't expect I don't this. disagree with that. Yeah. But <laughs> I, this is coming from the fucking guy that said, don't punish your dog. Uh, yeah. That's a punishment, guys. Yeah. What are you doing? You're using positive punishment. Yeah. Dog starts barking. No. Yeah. Quiet. <laughs> right? I did not expect this guy to have That's the a penny punishment, jar. bro. Yeah. Get out of here. Whatever. I did not see the put, the the penny jar coming from this guy. Okay, so the, let's talk about the penny jar for a minute here, right? Because that does work pretty well for some dogs, but for others, they can give a shit about it, yeah. right? So, so I, I agree. Punish the behavior. Yeah. Right? I do agree. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Every dog's motivated by something a little different, right? So for some dogs, the jarring noise of the penny bottle startles them out of the behavior. Yeah. For some dogs, I've had a bunch of dogs in the pet corrector, which is compressed there, that same deal, startles them out of the behavior. It's the freaking magic tool for things. Yep. I've had some dogs that a squirt bottle filled with uh, water or filled with like a dilution of apple cider vinegar in water is very effective. You've got bonkers. You've got freaking, uh, you know, obviously leash pops, right? You've got nine million... The key is when the dog starts doing something you don't want them to do, you do something that they don't like. That's mm -hmm. the key. Yep. Right? And by using a marker, he's using quiet. I just use no for it because mm -hmm. we're just conditioning it. A consistent mark we could use for anything, not just for barking. Mm -hmm. um, we attach that consequence to that behavior. Yeah. <laughs> the penny jars. The right. pennies. Where are we at here? <laughs> All right. Twelve. All right, here we go. <clears throat> is my puppy ready for off-leash training? If your puppy has learned the come command, they may be ready for off-leash training. However, off-leash training doesn't work for all dogs. There are some instincts that no matter, that no amount of training can overcome. If you're considering removing the leash, have a professional trainer evaluate your dog to make sure you're, they're a candidate for that style of training. So I like his way of don't just go around letting your dog off leash yeah. unless you work with a professional, obviously. Uh -huh. That being said, he's probably talking about these impulses from the standpoint of like dogs that have impulses of chasing things. Yeah. Deers, bikes, squirrels, stuff like that. I'll tell you, man, e-collars solve that freaking problem. Sure do. So, yes, your puppy is a candidate for off-leash training, but you should work with a professional to get them there. Exactly. Two more. 13, is, a crate, is crate training necessary? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you don't need to crate train your puppy. Oh. But it does help significantly when trying to house train them. To use a kennel when house training, you'll employ the house training triangle. Crate to outside to inside the crate again. This triangle consists of taking your puppy outside to do their business, bringing them back inside for an hour of free time, then crating them for around three hours. 
After about three hours in the crate, head back outside and repeat the process. This training method will help strengthen your dog's bladder. As your dog progresses, add on to their playtime and subtract from time in the crate, about 15 to 20 minutes each day. Eventually, you can no longer use, you, you can decide to no longer crate them at all. Okay. I'm going to answer, yes, you do need to create yeah. them. It's a fucking puppy, right? Mm-hmm. They need nap time. You're not going to be able to supervise them 24-7. They're going to be getting into shit because you're not going to be able to supervise them 24-7. No. They're going to have accidents in the house. You need to crate train your puppy, mm-hmm. right? They're also, at some point in your dog's life, will always be a, play, a time that you need to confine them. And if you haven't ever crate trained your puppy, it's going to be a disaster the first time you need to do it. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> now, the... Tri- what do you call it? The house training triangle. I I dig that. I like the way that he articulated that and uh, and kind of broke that down in a yeah. very very clear way for people. It's very similar to what I recommend, which is an hour in, an hour out, or two hours in, two hours out. Right. Mm-hmm. The key is with puppies, you don't want to give them too much time to rehearse things that you don't want them to rehearse. Mm-hmm. That's really that's really the key in a nutshell when it comes to puppies, right? Mm-hmm. And most people do the opposite. They give the puppy too much free time and they have all this time to start getting into shit, right? By doing two hours in, two hours out, you're having two hours a day, multiple times a day, that you could just chill and just not need to worry about the fuck the dog is doing. Exactly. Right? And know they're not going to be having accidents and you're teaching some forced separation so you're going to combat separation anxiety issues. And then when you let the dog out, you could be super, super focused on them for that period of time. Mm -hmm. So I like that part of it. But yes, you need to create training puppy. Yes. Please. Last one. Number 14. What should I do if my puppy has an indoor accident? Get the penny jar out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) House training can be difficult, but if your puppy does go in the house, there's a simple and effective way to discourage this behavior. Leash them to some kind of anchor, a chair, a table, a cinder block. <laughs> cinder block. Put cinder blocks. Just got in cinder your blocks, house. huh? <laughs> Beside the site of the accident and leave them there for 20 to 30 minutes. Dogs don't want to hang around their own business, and your puppy will be dead. Okay. <laughs> don't do that. We have some thoughts. <clears throat> God, my mouth is parched right now. Yeah. <sighs> a lot of talking. Okay, don't fu- don't do that, right? That's like the age-old saying, of like, go walk them over to it, show them what they did. Listen, if your dog had an accident in the house, first off, there's a 90% chance it's because you weren't supervising them. Yeah. So the solution is not the dog needs to go sit in it. The, super- the solution is you need to supervise the dog, Yeah. right? If the dog did it directly in front of you, the solution is not stick them next to it and need them sit next to it, right? The solution is that you probably missed 10,000 signals that the dog told you that they needed to go outside. Mm-hmm. So, what happens if the dog has an accident in the house? First, you realize, was it a supervision issue? If it does, you ensure that you don't not supervise the dog for the next week. Yes. So that you break that habit. Mm-hmm. If it's directly in front of you, you let your dog out in more frequent intervals. Yep. That's it. That's it. That is the solution to it. Yeah. Literally. And use your crate more. If yeah. it was a supervision issue, you could use your crate more so that you don't have to supervise the dog as much. Yeah. That's how you're going to solve that one. Sit. Make upset by it. Go take a cinder block in your house. Yeah. That'll solve it. That was weird. <clears throat> um, for the most part, I agree with all those things. You know, I think that a lot of those are going to be great techniques. Listen, when you get puppies, you got to understand they're going to be a pain in the ass. It's yep. a fucking puppy. Yeah. Right? So fully prepare yourself for that. Make sure you don't over-socialize your dog. Listen to our podcast and read our blogs about socializing puppies. Mm-hmm. Listen to the whole first week with waffles mm-hmm. of how I did 
things with my puppy to avoid a lot of issues and don't overcomplicate it. Exactly. As long as you do that, you're going to be good to go. Golden. Gucci. We think. Um, yeah, he was. It was fine. Yeah, he was. He, it was fine. It's he, a, he has good knowledge. Yeah, but. It's, listen, it's a, it's a basic puppy training blog. Yeah. He's just trying to get people to sign up for his course. Yeah, 100%. Which is fine. In his you know, master class. Yeah. I got nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. So, hope you guys liked it. Like I said, a little shorter today, but this kind of goes hand in hand. You know, the beginning of this one goes hand in hand with the last one. Yep. Go listen to episode 74. It's and a good we'll one. See you guys next week. Yep. See you.